This is Fizz Free. Welcome to episode six. I'm Jane, and in this one, Ruth and I discuss different ways of telling people that you're not drinking. Perhaps you're out and proud and upfront from the very start, or you may find you need more time and you're more of a secret silent type. Either way, along the journey, there's instances where you'll need to refuse alcohol and explain to other people. We look at some of those situations, some of the trickier ones we've faced, and experiences and tips along the way. Thanks for listening. It's Fizz Free. Hello and welcome to Fizz Free. Today you are with Ruth and Jane and we're going to be exploring the topic of telling people or not coming out. Jane, what's your take on this? So this is a really, really interesting one, Ruth, because as you decide to address your relationship with alcohol, whatever your intentions, whether you just intend to moderate, cut down or see where it leads you and possibly end up leading into a sober life, the family and friends around you can play a huge role in support. We don't live in little bubbles. We interact with people on a day-to-day basis. Most of us do. And so to make a decision to cut down on something that is so commercially viable, so socially acceptable, um, and if we sort of stick to that decision going forward after several days, several weeks, building up to several months, then at some point telling people will become a thing, will become part of that. So I think you and I have very different experiences in this, don't we? I think we've got the out and proud and the secret silent. I've sort of named it. (laughs) Yes, we do. We have complete opposite sort of experiences with this, really. I think I approached it a little bit like a Band-Aid. I just thought, rip it off, shout it out to the world and get it off my chest. And I'm I'm not going to say it was the right thing to do because if I had have started drinking again then it would have been very difficult to sort of acknowledge that and own up to it but you know what Jane that's exactly why I did it I thought if I tell my friends and family straight away it kind of gave me that incentive for them to not turn around and say I told you so I knew you couldn't do it so it kind of gave me that motivation to prove them wrong and say I'm doing this and I'm definitely going to see it through and you'll be eating your own words so I I kind of took the approach of get it out in the open straight away it did pay off um, but I did meet quite a lot of friction and not that much support initially but you know I'll I'll get into that in a little bit more detail what was your first take on it then Jane because I think you you kind of told me quite early on but even then that was only when I was up in double figures in my day count um yeah because you've gone for that sort of approach of accountability and actually a lot of um organizations charities websites to do with addiction recovery or or anything along these lines often suggests reaching out for support and telling people what your intentions are or how you're moving forwards but I just couldn't um because I think a lot of this comes down to I just didn't believe myself I thought you try and give up alcohol no way you can't do it you can't manage it you're going to fail you probably get to double figures in a day count if you're lucky but don't tell people because and I wasn't ready you know I don't think I'd fully addressed my relationship with alcohol and where I stood with it and how I felt about it I didn't feel as though I could tell anybody not not anybody not my husband not not you for a little while but as the days it crept up a little more and I was you know finding my own methods of support listening to podcasts and and this was not my first attempt 
well, yeah, you were the first person I really spoke to because you had been out and proud <laughs> because you had taken the noisier <laughs> routes. Uh, I could tell you, and actually, I, I do believe that's one of the tips, and I think we'll go through a couple of the points that are popular, recommended, is is to tell somebody that you think will support you first. You know, you don't have to stand on the stage and address the whole number three bus, for example. I was much more the secret silent. Where's this going to take me? Am I actually managing it? What the heck am I doing? can I do it and so it took me quite a long time yeah and even then when when my husband I think after a month or so said you still you're still not drinking and you're not drinking I was like and even then I was like nope <laughs> that's all I would say I just wouldn't really yeah. I would simply say no not tonight nope and it really took me I would say months probably about two months at least to begin thinking oh my gosh I, I think I'm doing it I think I can do this I think I really do want this so yeah, you, you very much went the out and proud, which the accountability route, which helps people really, it shines a great big beacon, a big spotlight and helps other people navigate. Whereas not everybody does that. And I just think that's quite a nice thing about this episode, Ruth, that we're just saying that there isn't one correct way of doing this. I mean, ultimately you are going to be asked. Ultimately a conversation is going to come up where you will be questioned. Why aren't you drinking? And, um, and this is just quite a nice episode to go through some of those experiences, really, real-life experiences that you and I have lived and what we found funny, what we found a bit stressful, what we found a bit strange, that <laughs> we could address um, a few of those things. So let's put this back to you then, um, because you'd had a few attempts at moderation. You had been looking at your relationship with alcohol for a, a while as well, and I think we've sort of covered that on some of your story. Um, who was the first person that that asked you or that you felt able to say you know hey I'm not drinking I'm trying something different so (laughs) the first person I told was my husband and I think my eyes had been open about 20 seconds and I got out of bed went to the bathroom came back and I just looked at him I'm never drinking again (laughs) it was literally that morning and he's like rubbing his eyes trying to figure out if he's actually on planet earth and he's got his wife in his face saying, I'm never drinking again. And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. And I remember feeling a little bit relieved, like I'd made that decision and it was a firm decision. It was something I was going to stand by. I've now voiced it out loud. Yeah, that's quite special the first time you hear yourself saying it. You think, oh gosh, I must be doing this. (laughs) Yeah, and I think for me, I needed to say it out loud. It couldn't just be that little voice in my head. It needed to have the power of volume coming out of my mouth to hear it myself. Because I think in a way, me voicing it like that, you kind of admit to yourself that there is an issue there and it's an issue that you can't ignore anymore and you do want to face up to. And I remember, it. I think it was a Thursday or a Friday and we were going to my parents on, on the Sunday and my brother and his girlfriend were going round. And I'm not even kidding, imagine just a whirlwind thrashing open the door, waltzed into the kitchen. The first thing I said to my brother and his girlfriend is, I'm not drinking anymore, I've given up alcohol. And hello, how are you? (laughs) It was as if it was like verbal diarrhea. I just needed to get it off my chest. I needed everybody to know. And I think in a way it was a protection thing because very much my my family you know we enjoy or did enjoy alcohol and if we were all together on a sunday with a sunday lunch wine may have been offered to me while we were eating our roast and i just kind of wanted to say to them before that was even on the table please don't offer it me i'm not drinking and that is it but i'll never forget 
I think it's my brother's girlfriend who turned around and said to me, wow, I can't believe you've said that out loud because what, what if next time I see you, you are drinking? That's a bit risky. And my brother just looked at me and was like, oh, she's here again. I'm one of her, you know, health kicks or, <laughs> or you know, a big announcement. It'll probably all be fizzled out in a few weeks. And I think they were both so surprised because it was just before Christmas and they're both like, but Christmas is around the corner. What, why are you doing this now? Um, and then obviously the next time I saw them, I still hadn't had a drink and they were like, oh, perhaps she is taking this seriously. And it was more or less anybody I met within my close circle, I was telling straight away. And then my confidence grew to the point where you know that you have sort of close social circles don't you with your your core people in your best friends your closest family and then I kind of see it like little outer circles like different cores and you know it it then got to the point where my work colleagues because it was coming up to Christmas they're like are you going to the Christmas do and I was like yeah yeah I'll drive though and they're like why why we'll get a taxi and that's when I say well I'm not going to be drinking and I think they again just looked at me and was like, okay, is she pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm not pregnant. Okay, so you want antibiotics then? No, no, it's a choice. Why? Okay, so why aren't you drinking? And it's weird because again, I'm such an open, honest person. I probably bore people because when it's such an open question, why aren't you drinking? And it's really weird because with any other drug, you wouldn't have to justify it. Like if somebody said, I'm not gonna be taking cocaine anymore. Um, I don't wanna inject myself with heroin. No one would turn mm. around with pity in their face and be like, oh, really, you sure? <laughs> Listen, okay, just have a weekend off coke this weekend, but we'll do it next weekend, it's fine. And I find that so bizarre with alcohol that you need to justify your reason for not putting poison inside you I just do I really off and you know I give them the whole spiel but I've kind of got to the point now where I wrap it up I just say one sentence because it just stops some people who aren't really interested who just want to probe you to mock you and I just say I stopped enjoying drinking yeah. and it is as simple as that I mean there are more points to it but the bottom line is I stopped enjoying alcohol. That's really interesting. So some of the immediate reactions you had was, yeah, okay, whatever. And then closely followed by, why? (laughs) Um, Do you know what? I think at this point, it's probably worth just pointing out that we're not, you know, in our early 20s going out clubbing. And perhaps this conversation would be very different if we were both young, free and single and we were um, going clubbing and we were socialising out more Then I'm sure, you know, the experience would be completely different. But where we are in our lives... We're probably in a similar kind of a situation um, in different countries, but um, but that's been our experience in our sort of late thirties, early forties. Is and I like what you said about starting off with, like we said, the people closest to you, the people you interact with daily, the people who see you and love you and put up with you on a day-to-day basis. You start with them, and then that circle goes out a little bit to your closest friendships, and obviously then that will ripple probably a, a week or two later in time to work colleagues and then acquaintances. And, and a lot of these things will happen naturally. Now, one of the things I did want to, to touch on is that although some of these conversations can come up organically and everybody's experience will be quite different um, as to whether you want to be out and proud or secret silent, 
I think one of the things you can do to help yourself is to prepare in advance what you're prepared to share is to be having yeah. a little thought about how much do I want to give people? Because as you said, a casual acquaintance or a colleague doesn't need to know too much about your personal life. They don't need to know if you've been hugging the toilet and vomiting, for example. They just don't need that information. Mm. You know, but it's likely you'll find people wanting some of the juicy details because as human beings, we're naturally very nosy. And I, and I think that's just a fact. So I think it is worth pointing out that one of the things you can sort of do sort of to protect yourself and sort of stick up to yourself, for yourself, is to be thinking, if and when I get asked by this person, or if that person asks me, why don't you want to drink, what am I going to share? And as you say, you can practice a couple of lines. I think I've heard a few other experiences saying that people just wish they hadn't bothered giving too much information. You know, I used to drink, but then I started feeling a bit like I was doing a bit too much, but then I sort of thought I could, and then I would go three days, and then... It just you just don't need for many many people you do not need to give that level of information and you do have a choice about how much you want to share and how brief you can keep it and perhaps if you're asked a second or a third time you can simply repeat the line you've decided to say for example I stopped enjoying it or that doesn't suit me or humorous I drank my whole lifetime supply a bit quick I'm done you know you you might plan the kind of phrase you want to be able to come out with but I think allowing yourself to be caught off guard on the hop, feeling uncertain, can make you question your indecision and then potentially spiral or worse, get sort of dragged back in or persuaded by peer pressure um, or feel rejected and then relapse or, you know, or then just go back to doing something you didn't really want to do. So I definitely think a really good tip there is to be thinking, well, as you did, as <laughs> you went marching in with a brass band, I'm not drinking, I'm not <laughs> drinking, don't offer me a drink, off you go. Yeah. What I was going to say as well is be prepared for other people's responses, whether that's negative and positive. I found I had some of the strongest responses to me not drinking actually from the people closest to me and it wasn't always encouraging or accepting um the, there's some people who I'm very 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 close with but also they really enjoy a drink and I felt they saw it more as an attack on their drinking rather than it being about me and my choices and it did cause quite a few heated arguments and friction in the relationship which has settled a hell of a lot now you know I'm nearly three years on but it still kind of simmers to the surface sometimes and what I want to sort of um, not warn people about because that's quite a strong word but to just make you aware is sometimes it's just not worth being dragged into the nitty-gritty and your understanding and reasons behind why you know alcohol is so bad for you because you will literally just be banging your head up against a brick wall some people are so you know into drinking that all they will feel is an attack and a negativity and you're attacking their personality and their personal choices it doesn't matter if you reel off the statistics of you know alcohol related deaths and statistics and facts about how it destroys the body they won't hear it they won't see it because you are you know talking crap about their 
one of their best friends that's how you've got to view it so if you come into a conversation where you can see it's not going anywhere just shut it down and be like listen it's fine it's your choice if you want to carry on drinking I'm, I'm not attacking you I just feel that it's not for me anymore and that's okay equally on the flip side of that if you've got somebody who is asking questions who does seem interested please don't see that as an attack on you because that could actually be them reaching out because they're quite intrigued and quite interested in giving up drinking and they're kind of trying to gauge your journey and understand why you don't drink so it's probably sparked something in them so I had that very sort of negative association with some people close to me and then Claire who's obviously on our podcast I thought I was dreading telling her because of I knew her relationship with alcohol she was always quite defensive about it and sort of unapologetic about it she stood quite firm that this is her and this is what she likes and she's not going to apologize for it and I remember going for a walk with her and telling her and it out of everybody I told I was most shocked by her reaction she was deathly silent Mm. and I remember (laughs) turning round to her and saying you're not responding you're not justifying why you drink and she was like I know Mm. and I'll never forget that moment because she literally had nothing to say it was as if she was absorbing everything that I was saying and I I remember thinking I've got to tread carefully here because I want to sort of let her know the joy that I found not drinking but I don't want to rub it in her face and preach to her so I tried to get that balance really and I just remember her being like a sponge and just absorbing everything I was saying and not once did she criticize or come back with a counter argument to say you know and justify her you know how some people they're like well, I'm not that bad because, and mm. well, I don't drink every night, so I'm all right. She had none of that. She was hanging off every word, and obviously, six months later, that conversation did actually lead to her giving up. Yeah, and and you need to know that there's someone you can tell. It is it's really really helpful if there is somebody in your circle that maybe has raised concerns in the past who has said oh do you think you might be drinking a bit much or i'm worried about you You know these are the people who are going to be the first to celebrate and support you i would imagine and you know what you were saying there ruth i think you touched on probably most people's biggest fears what if i tell people and i get um, friction what if i get rejected what if i get criticism and i think this is really valid concern because it is quite a lifestyle change and as you've said even if you approach it without listing all the negatives or whatever and the opposite i've even tried to go in saying i don't mind you drinking oh let me open that for you oh it smells delicious shall i pour you another i almost trying to compensate and let me tell you that also makes people very uncomfortable <laughs> i found yeah. out because you know always it's trying confusing to use them for people yes yes which you know i think some of these things come down to how you express what you want and what's the best way to support you. I mean, you touched on cognitive dissonance where you're telling somebody something they don't understand. It goes against everything they believe. And I just think it's it's totally worth knowing and accepting that that is going to happen. And let's face it, most of us have probably been there and felt a bit defensive or a bit the same or a bit um, questioning or not really understanding. Why wouldn't you want to drink? You know, ultimately, if you're making that decision to step away from alcohol... And you're sort of saying it out loud or you're answering a question or you're uh, choosing a soft drink 
the people around you who've known you most, perhaps your heaviest drinking friends, the people you've had the wildest nights out with, it's understandable that they may feel a mixture of confused, frustrated, disappointed, and pitying. And these are real emotions that they don't plan to feel, but that your decision to reject something that you've always shared is naturally going to cause some of those feelings perhaps in the people around you and then ultimately it comes down to what they do with those feelings and that's the interesting thing isn't it is the mixed reactions so some people seem to take it a lot easier than others I remember being quite worried some of the first people I told so after my husband and you the first people I then told were some visiting family members and I must have been about three weeks in two three weeks in which for me was max was absolute um, personal best I was entering new territory and feeling quite good on it and I just remember and remember saying to you I'm feeling really apprehensive I don't know how this is going to go because these family members were were brilliant really enabling they always turned a blind eye when I would (laughs) get smashed and use up all their drinks cabinet and you know they were good drinking buddies um but they sort of went with it they didn't query it and and they respected it and we just moved the conversation on I don't know if maybe they thought I was upset about something or just working through something as a one-off blip anyway and they didn't stay long and as it happened by the time I sort of next saw them it, it people got used to the idea but um you know I came around to telling one of my very closest friends who I don't see particularly often she lives in another country and I remember thinking I wonder how she's going to accept this and I kept it really straight I, I came out with it I didn't wait to be questioned when I knew we were going to be meeting up with each other I said oh and by the way please don't rush out and buy any alcohol for me because these days I'm not drinking. And it was just brilliant because she just replied. And again, she has seen me in all sorts of conditions. She's known me since my early 20s. She's (laughs) she's picked me off the floor. And she's not much of a drinker. She rarely drinks. But she's been a really good friend of mine and witnessed all of my shenanigans. And she simply said, "Okay, thanks for letting me know. Noted. And then when the visit did happen, when I went to her house, She's a good host anyway, so she has the odd few bottles of bits and pieces around, but nothing specially chilling for me in the fridge. And I think she even asked, oh, is there anything else you'd like me to get in instead? And I just said, oh, any fizzy cold drinks is great, but don't go out of your way. And then she didn't really ask me about it. And I don't think I even, I might have alluded just once, like, oh, you know, in conversation, I think we were talking about something different. And then I said, oh, because I'm feeling so much better now, I'm not drinking. And then the conversation just moved on. And I really, (laughs) being the secret silent camp I really valued that she didn't quiz me she knew me well enough to not ask a great deal and she just accepted that I was now on her (laughs) side of the world where not drinking is incredibly normal and and then it just wasn't a thing and I remember thinking how cool that this is this is nothing this is not a big deal this is not a discussion or a question I don't have a big long confessional she's not asking me she who has seen me at my very very most drunkenness is just said yeah cool (laughs) <laughs> and I, again, maybe that's because she wasn't a drinker, and maybe it's just because she loves me and has known me all my life, you know, a long, long time. It's just, it really meant a lot to me. And I think it's just fascinating because you, until you tell someone, you just don't know how they're going to react, do you? No, you don't. And it, it's a really big thing to get off your chest. And I think the, the hardest thing I found is when you tell people, they automatically think, well, she must have been an alcoholic. She must have had a really severe problem. If she's had to give it up completely, she got out of control. And it's almost as if they're intrigued and quite nosy and want to know when was she rock bottom? When you know how was it? 
how, how far down did you have to go down the rabbit hole when actually it's not about that it's not about people who choose not to drink you don't have to hit rock bottom you don't have to be an alcoholic I hate that label anyway because what is an alcoholic and throughout a lot of the podcasts my main message is it doesn't matter how much you're drinking how often you are drinking if you feel your life is impacted negatively by alcohol then you're in the right place for this podcast if you want to give up you don't have to there's no threshold there's no checklist and I think people will look at you and feel sorry for you yeah. and think oh it's a, but I think because with the process of AA you have to label yourself an alcoholic and that labels there for life and it's they portray it as a constant battle and constant thought that you have to have to you know take each day as it comes and battle it every day and for people who do give up I know us three especially yeah the first hurdle is tough but it gets easier to the point you know I've been in the pub for two hours today I've sat and had much to my husband's disgust because he hates ordering hot drinks in a pub but I had a <laughs> pot of tea <laughs> and um, a slimline tonic and it did not bother me one bit that I was surrounded by people drinking it didn't cross my mind and yet people from the outside looking in especially in those early days were a bit like are you sure you're okay going to a pub are you going to be all right and I'm like yeah because you're not battling those thoughts and those um, addictive feelings after a while it just becomes the norm and becomes easy so yeah I think that was one of my my biggest hurdles that I kind of had to justify to people that I didn't hit a rock bottom does that make sense yeah it does and coming back to what you were saying there as well it's well worth if possible avoiding putting yourself in situations if you don't need to and it's unnecessary don't surround yourself with people who expect you to be big drinkers that doesn't mean you have to say no and turn down every party invite but it does mean you can just try and give yourself another few days another week another two weeks it's never going to make sense to run into a pub and just drink lemonade on your day three of alcohol you you don't have to prove anything exactly you're always going to put yourself in a very difficult position it's always going to be challenging it's always going to be much easier just to go ah do you know what never mind I'll just carry on drinking. So you've got to protect yourself, I think. And, you know, you touched on pity, and it's a word I used earlier as well. And I remember feeling it, and I I think I've told you before, at one point I sort of felt sorry for you when you said you... But it was a mixture, because I would go from one day sort of thinking, oh, poor girl, fancy never being able to have a drink again. Do you know, that's so sad. What a shame. And then, you know, a few hours later... Well, the next morning, I'd be thinking, I really want that. How is she doing? I'm so fascinated. God, she's strong. What is the secret code? Deep down, I know that's what I want, but I'm not able to. And it's that, it's that conflict inside your head that takes a bit of time. And it's being kind to yourself and allowing yourself that time to sort of process these thoughts of, well, that goes against what I believe, but I'm really interested. So what does that say about me? What do I actually want? I think that leads us on to uh, one of the other options here about being able to let people go. So if you have come up against um, rejection, criticism, um, peer pressure, outright, so anything that's making you feel really uncomfortable and attacked, this can either be overtly out loud or it can just feel off and things can feel frosty and drift and there does come a point and it is sad and you don't know how this will be for you 
but there does come a point in many people's lives as they choose sobriety that one or two three or four just people may well need to be left behind or just allow people to drift away if you're not being fully supported in your decision or things have become weird we are not invited as often to things that's not a bad thing if it means you're going to stay sober and healthy and happy with your new relationship with alcohol which is having none of it sometimes you do have to let people sort of go don't you Ruth and, yeah. and be okay with that and it's really sad really uncomfortable and it might be one massive blowout huge furious row it might be some standoff or unfriending on social media or it might just be a, a strange quirky change in your day-to-day dynamics but I think a lot of people will have that sort of experience have there been people in your life perhaps that you have drifted or you've had to let go or you just don't see or hear from as much anymore down to your decision to become sober yeah definitely and I think that's something that you need to be aware of especially you know if you're very social and a lot of your friendships are based around meeting up in pubs and bars you have to be realistic and you have to acknowledge that those relationships may change and it could be literally down to some people not wanting to be with you because you being around them and not drinking makes them worry and address their own drinking and they don't want to face up to that or it could be that they see you now as somebody who judges them and they don't want to be judged or it could be that you actually find out that you don't have that much in common and the, the thing that you did have in common was alcohol and now that's out of the question you may meet up with them and be like you're actually not as good company as I thought I was meeting up with you because I wanted somebody to have a drink with not actually the drink came second and that's okay um, don't you think in life that happens and that's okay anyway. yeah we grow we change friendships come and they drift and some are stronger yeah. and some are weaker and that does happen naturally and it's it's okay for that to happen you know as long as you're not going around yeah. singing insults and lecturing everybody and, and pushing people away it's natural yeah. that this is um, sadly could become a little bit of a casualty of your decision but as long as you're protecting yourself you're happy with yourself you go to sleep with a clear conscience every night knowing that you've been kind and that you're not trying to cause any issues then it, the, there are some relationships that will be left in the past but guess what there's the future you've got decades of your life ahead of you how exciting and I think Ruth this brings me on to probably uh, one of the last points of our our chat I think here is is the positivity of new sober connections Um, getting in touch with people who live that lifestyle who encourage you meeting people who've done years and years of sobriety there's whole communities online Instagram especially is brilliant for the sort of sober community of people supporting each other's day counts, struggles, funny things that have happened, for example. I set up a little Instagram account last year just for myself and and I'm instantly talking and sharing information, supporting people just like me, people who've lived a you know busy life, who've drunk a lot in the past, have reached a stage where they're thinking, mm, nope. And and that's a massive thing to have in common and the support is really important. And I think anywhere that you can get that support, be it a friend in your phone who maybe don't see that often, somebody in real life, something online, you've got to take that support with both hands, grab it, use it, say yes, and accept it. Because any support is going to bring you forward on this really exciting, healthy, happy, (laughs) clear, 
fresh, sober lifestyle. And it is exciting. That's what you and I really want to convey, isn't it? Just, just how exciting that really is. And you've got that choice to steer your future in that direction. Yeah, and for me, this is why I so desperately wanted to do the podcast. I really wanted to pay it forward because when I made that such important decision, I literally had no one physically in my life to turn to. Every single friend, every family member drank. So I had no one who truly understood what I was going through. I mean, Claire was six months behind me, wasn't she? So when she gave up, I had you know somebody to talk to. But I had to do the hardest bit, the first six months, completely on my own. And honestly, and I don't say this lightly, I don't think I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for the podcast community. I, I'm not on social media, so I didn't go on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. And for me, it was listening mainly to Craig Beck. You know, I found his podcast so factual and, you know, shattering that illusion that it really, really did help me. And what I really want to say to people is if you haven't got a support network, please don't think that you can't do it on your own because you can. It's amazing the strength you can find, the inner strength and the mental strength when you do find that switch to just flip and you will find it by shattering that illusion listening to all of these podcasts because we're going to touch on so many different topics and current issues that we you know hopefully I know we're not medically trained which we always you know say to our listeners if if you feel you are at the point where it's going to affect you physically please seek medical help but from a mental point of view we are going to be touching on so many topics that will help you and it's kind of just reaching out to that community to know you're not on your own and that your thoughts and your feelings are normal and other people experience those you are not going to be walking through this on your own two of the other real life examples that i wanted to share about coming out because that's pretty much how we've called it isn't it um i did after my one year when i reached 19th of june i went on my facebook i put it to all my friend settings and I put a picture of me having a really nice night out and I put it on there. I decided to, I was ready at that stage. The one year point felt really important to me because I felt as though I'd ex- experienced my first sober Mother's Day, my first sober Christmas, my first everything, birthday without alcohol. And I felt that when I reached that one year point and bear in mind this is secret silent me, I was ready to put it on my Facebook account. So I uploaded this photo of myself on my one year anniversary with the caption, one year alcohol free today, exclamation mark. Cheers to better sleep, more money, less anxiety, and zero hangovers with a little party face emoji. And that's what I did. I just put it on like that. And I thought, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm choosing to tell ex-colleagues, ex-managers, people I went to school with, (laughs) what am I doing? I can't believe it. And um, do you know, I was blown away, Ruth, with the reaction. I had 73 reactions, bearing in mind I've only got about 200 uh, contacts on Facebook. So even with my wonky maths, that's coming up to nearly half. Um, And 20 comments. And do you know what? All of the comments were supportive. Well done, fantastic. Um, Congratulations, I've just hit the six month mark myself and I feel way better for it. I just can't handle hangovers these days. Another one, that's so amazing. I love that and I'm happy for you. Virtual hugs, well done, you're amazing. Great job, you don't need alcohol to have a good time. So many people now have stopped drinking. 
you look fab, well done, that's amazing sweetheart, you look fantastic, cheers, well done, I also knocked it on the head about five years ago and I never looked back and more along those lines and I was stunned, I didn't have one sarcastic comment, I didn't have anybody saying ha ha, lightweight, not that people would these days, I think people are kinder. But I, I did that and I thought, for me, that was a really big deal. It was a picture of me smiling, sitting on one of those hanging chairs, um, holding like a tonic water in my hand. And I felt like a weight had been lifted at that point, actually, Ruth. I thought all my secret silent battle, my whole journey with it had reached a nice sort of culmination point. And I was, I was really glad I did that. And I think since I did that, it's given me more confidence now because I know that there's barely anyone that doesn't know unless I meet new people. Yeah. I remember you telling me about posting that and I just remember thinking the first word that came into my head I was like brave she's got this like that alcohol-free lifestyle is solid because I don't think you would have done that if you were still like teetering on the edge or fighting with yourself it was an absolute solid status update wasn't it like this is who I am yeah this is me owning that and yeah, just throwing it out there to the world. I think I sent you screenshots because you're not on Facebook. And I, I may have been a slow burner. It may have taken me a long, slow, quiet time to sort of build up to telling people here and there. But then I came out with fireworks on my one-year anniversary. <laughs> and that, for me, worked yeah. really well. And I was so happy that I did that. Everybody who knows me now, well, most people that are connected with me online, know it. And I like that that's not going to be an issue. I found that same time. I decided to get a sobriety tattoo on my finger. And um, again... Still jealous about that, by the way. I still haven't got round to having mine nearly three years on. Come on, slow coach. <laughs> again, I know, I know. you know, there was something hugely symbolic to me, Ruth, about having completed all of those firsts. You know, every situation that would have tried me, every difficult bedtime, those, those are some of my biggest triggers were Mother's Day, uh, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Eve was the hardest, but we can do that another time. Um, you know, some of these I found really, really hard and every time I overcame them and a sober birthday and a sober Christmas and a sober wedding I felt that one year I was like ah oh, you know not to be morbid but obviously there's going to be negative losses in the future that are going to come and hit me but I feel as though I can tackle most things now I've done a year a full year in this crazy world post-pandemic and I did it I've done it I've proved that I don't need alcohol and I'm a strong enough person in myself and I I want to explain that I want to show that and so yeah the tattoo I got done on my right hand is on that fourth finger and it's just an s for sobriety it's about the size of your little fingernail perhaps it's got four little wings which I like to think is sort of four representatives of my family um, who let's face it benefit the most <laughs> for me being sober and um, and it's just it's quite graceful it's, it's just there and um, and again that's a, it's a visual way that I'm sort of showing people I've only been asked about it maybe two or three times and I, I have a moment to decide and I've already had this conversation with myself if it's someone I don't think I'll ever meet again I don't care much about or I don't get a good vibe from I'll just say you know maybe it stands for the first letter of my surname and then change the subject but if it's most people I'd like to be able to say oh yeah sobriety uh, you know one of the best things I've ever done with my life and then again moving the conversation forward unless they they ask so for me, and I like, to be honest with you, Ruth, I just look down and I see it there and I see something that represents one of the best things I've ever done for myself. And so that is another way of sort of telling people, but even without words. So I'm giving you examples there of telling people online and telling people via your skin. <laughs> so yes. Although in the early days I didn't want to tell anybody anything, I've gone full circle and I've now jumped on your out and proud wagon. <laughs> yes. 
So I think summing up just a couple of those points then that we were saying is that, you know, decide in advance what details you're comfortable revealing about yourself. You know, there is a big difference, isn't there, Ruth, between saying, I'm just not drinking right now, as opposed to, I've realised how horrifically deathly poisonous that stuff is and I never want another drop to pass my lips as long as I live. (laughs) There's a difference. So you can just prepare. How am I going to word this? How much time am I going to spend? And top tip, you don't need to spend long. You don't have to tell people too much. You know, you wouldn't walk up to someone, would you, these days and say, why don't you eat fish? Why don't you want children? It's it's not important. You don't need to know. And it's somebody else's life. So, you know, deciding yeah. in advance what you're comfortable sharing. You don't owe anybody an explanation. It's just not anybody else's business. This is your decision and your journey. Um, start with the people you know are going to be the most supportive. The people who see you day in and day out know you so much more than you probably realise start with them lean on the people that are most likely to say that's amazing i'm here for you do you want a diet coke (laughs) or so start with that inner circle before worrying too much about the outer ripples being prepared for all scenarios as we've said going to a party what are you going to do are you going to have a hot drink first then a cold drink are you going to base yourself near the bar are you going to leave at a certain time thinking ahead letting go being able to let go of contacts who prefer you to be unhealthy those people who are not supportive, being prepared to just let that drift and letting people know how they can support you and make the most of it. And as we've said, there's that breakdown, family, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, dating, of course, social media, and then most excitingly making those new sober connections, which makes a lot of things worthwhile by being connected with other people who, who've just said no to this and left it long in the background, left it in their past and moved forward into a happier and a healthier and more contented lifestyle, alcohol-free. Yeah, and I think what I want to leave our listeners with is there is no right or wrong. If you are sat listening to this and you're not ready to come out and tell people how you're feeling and the lifestyle choice you're making, that is absolutely fine. You don't have to. And if you have to tell little white lies at this point, if you are sort of day one or day four or day 10 and you're still not ready, then you've got little backups you can say I'm driving tonight because I'm on call or I've got to get up early tomorrow you could even tell little white lies and just say that you're on antibiotics like there's always ways out of you know discussing the topic so you don't have to be out and proud straight away and that will come the confidence will come but the most important thing is protecting your decision not to drink and there's no time scale there's no time frame with that somebody could be five or six months in and still don't want people to know that's fine as long as you are making those healthy choices thanks for listening to fizz free from your hosts ruth claire and jane find us online on facebook youtube on x and instagram as well as most major streaming platforms If you'd like to get in touch with the show, the email is fizzfree0, the number zero, at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate us and to give us a like and a share to spread the word. Changing your relationship with alcohol. Less fizz, more free.